Acme Army family, how are we doing? Tulip Tree Gardens has your holiday gift needs all taken care of. Right now, they are putting together some self-care gift boxes, a starter pack gift box, a gardener's gift box, New Year's gift box, and a quarantine gift box. All of your CBD and hemp product needs taken care of in one box. Get it. I'll tell you what. For years now, my wife and I have been taking CBD, and we have been using Tulip Tree Gardens bo.com exclusively for not just cbd but their hand sanitizers that have kept us and my family germ-free throughout these covid times support those that support the podcast tulip tree garden co.com check it and happy wednesday acme army we are ready to roll we got peter jones with us to deep dive on a former packer player profile don hudson if there is one episode you're going to want to forward on to a friend Let them know about the Acme Army Podcast. This is the one. SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Get it. Yeah, buddy, it's a Profile Wednesday. Welcome. (laughs) Wednesday it is. We could not be more excited to uh, just kind of break away from the Packer news and the redundancy of us talking about what we did to those Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. Let's just change... The whole momentum of this, and let's get into one of the greatest football players to ever put on the Green Bay Packer uniform. And to discuss that, we have Peter Jones from the UK joining us, Packer historian who knows just about uh, more than Eric and I uh, have have learned maybe in our whole lives. He uh, he actually forgot this morning while he was making his coffee. He uh, It just went out his brain. So uh, this is the kind of magnetic, energetic, and uh, depth of knowledge you guys are about to receive. So before we get going, Peter, how are we doing in the UK? We're doing, we're doing well. We're doing very well. The weather's a little bit better today. We've had fog for about the last five days. So we've not been going very far, but today it's better. So yeah, all good, all good. Here. It sounds much like it was last week. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty much. At this time of year, it's either see the foggy like that, or it's it's rainy and muddy, like yeah. the like the '96 divisional championship game against the 49ers, <laughs> you know, with Desmond Howard and Edgar Bennett running through the mud. Dorsey that's, Levins. That's, yeah, Dorsey Levins. That's the other weather we get this time of year. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, Eric, how are you guys doing up there in the North Woods? Well, it is a beautiful day. Uh, no snow yet, but uh, kind of really excited to get into uh, this conversation about Don Hudson. Um, th- thought I knew a bit and uh, didn't know squat. The guy's maybe the most amazing Packer ever. Can't wait to hear what Peter has to say. Yeah, yeah, and we have to touch on a lot of uh, areas here, so we're going to try and take it piece by piece. But uh, with that, Peter, what do you say? Let's get into Don Hudson and his career in college. How did he get there? So, yeah, I mean, he um, ended up at Alabama on a on a partial baseball scholarship. So he, he, he didn't play much football in, in high school, just a little bit in his, in his senior year. And, and basketball was actually his sport. So he loved basketball, even, even after he retired from football many years later, talking in the 70s and 80s, he still talked about basketball. Basketball was his, was his first love. But yeah, got into, so it's from Arkansas. Um, and it seemed that there were a number of guys that went from Arkansas to the University of Alabama around that period, the 30s. 
Um, I went to Alabama on a, like I say, on a, on a partial baseball scholarship. Um, played a bit of football in his freshman, um, sophomore years, and then broke out in his junior and senior years. So, you know, a fantastic senior year um, playing end with the great Paul Bear Bryant playing the other end. Um, but yeah, in a, in a nutshell, that's that's how he got from Arkansas to to the University of Alabama. And I guess his big breakout was that was that senior was that senior season. Um, and everybody talks about the Rose Bowl game that that uh, Alabama played in at the end of that season. Yeah, against Stanford. Um, against Stanford, winning that game, winning the national championship. Mm-hmm. Hudson catching six passes, two touchdowns, both of them over fifty yards. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess mean, that was where yards total. Then. Yeah, yeah, and that was where he got, I guess, the real level of national recognition coming out of college pre the draft. So that's one year before before the college draft um, came about. Hmm. Oh, um, before we get into the draft, let's just yeah. backpedal back here because Alabama for us right now as a college football team is, I mean, people right now know Nick Saban, dynasty, right? Uh, Paul Bear Bryant was the coach, you know, that was the legend growing up. Now this is a guy who actually played at Alabama next to Don Hudson. Are we wrapping our brains around everybody? <laughs> like yeah. the, the legend just is, it gets deeper and deeper as the layers go here. Yeah, and there's a, there's a, there's a later story about Hudson and how Bear Bryant got into coaching. And um, I wish I could remember the full, the, the names of the, of the schools but, and, and, and the guys, but Hudson took a phone call one day, and this is, this is at some point, into his into his career um, from a school that was looking for a new head coach, and you know they asked Hudson if he knew where Bear Bryant, where Paul Bryant was, whether or not he'd be the kind of thing that he'd be interested in. And Hudson said, "He's right here, sitting on the edge of my bed," <laughs> and and uh, you know handed the phone to him, and that's how Paul Bear Bryant got his first coaching job. I, I want to say it was the University of Maryland, but I. I I, I can't remember off the top off the top of my head. Wow. Say, Peter, uh, thinking about sort of maybe uh, lucky breaks that have led to uh, all-time Packers. You know, when we did uh, Paul Horning, it was, if I remember correctly, the Packers were one of two teams left who hadn't received the yeah. first-round draft pick. Well, we had kind of something similar with Don Hudson in that he uh, signed contracts with both the Green Bay Packers uh, and the Brooklyn Dodgers. And it went to the NFL's office, and because he had signed the the contract with the Packers before he signed the contract with the Dodgers, he was awarded uh, to the uh, to the Packers, and and he said that he went with the Packers because of the three hundred dollar a week paycheck, which was far yeah. surpassed anything. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that he could get somewhere else. And when you put that in perspective with today, you know, that would cover Devontae Adams probably running out onto the field. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> that's yeah. And, 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 and that's, that's, you know, that's a great story that, that, you know, his, his contract or the, or the, the letter, the, the envelope for his contract was, po- was postmarked 17 minutes before the one from the Brooklyn Dodgers. 
there, there is, there is, however, this is one of those stories where the 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 contract of the letter from the Brooklyn Dodgers is nowhere to be found. So the NFL doesn't have it. The Hall of the Pro Football Hall of Fame doesn't have it. And there is some question marks whether this is a Curly Lambeau myth. Um, now you'll read it everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And I grew up on that story about about Don Hudson and believed it to be true. Um, and certainly Cliff Crystal, who's the Packers historian, works for the Packers, has done some research into this and they've never found that contract, the Brooklyn Dodgers contract, the envelope or anything. Hmm. So there's no corroboration that, 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 that it's not a myth. Um, <laughs> certainly Lambeau talked about it and Don Hudson himself repeat, repeated the story. Um, so it's one of those great stories from back in back in time, you know, now 75 years, 75 years, 85 years ago, mm. that we believe to be true, but we're not 100 percent certain whether it's true. <laughs> I had no idea it was 17 minutes. Is 17 minutes. Why we got done. That's, so, <laughs> that's so, so, yeah. So apparently, if if you believe the story, the, the Packers, um, the Packers envelope was postmarked at 830 in the morning and the Brooklyn Dodgers at 847. And. Um, yeah, Joe Carey was the commissioner at the time, got these two contracts and just decided that whichever one was date, date and time stamped first would be the one that the team that would get him. Well, I guess what I don't, what I don't understand is, you know, contract and contract language is not something that's a new art. It wasn't then either. How do you sign two contracts? So, 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 so therein, I think, lies part of the question around how much of that story is true. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know. Nobody, no, no, nobody, nobody knows. And, you know, no, nobody else clearly at this time is, is alive to corroborate or, or, or not. Um, it's a great story. Um, but Lambo was known for Lambo was known for his stories. Um, so, I don't know, Eric. I mean, that's the thing that's always gone through my mind when you first hear about that story is how does somebody go about signing two contracts? Why would somebody sign two contracts? But it's a <laughs> it's a wonderful story. And that the, the, the $300 a game that he got, that Don Hudson got for playing for the Packers in that 1935 season was way above anything that anybody else was getting. And... Lambo was so concerned that people would get to hear how much that contract was that that Hudson received two two checks from two different banks in Green Bay, both at one hundred and fifty dollars each, in the hope that nobody would find <laughs> out that he was paying him three hundred three hundred bucks a game. Yeah, and, and so he stepped into the league as the league's highest paid player. Yeah. Wow. Well, that must have been more money than he was making with uh, Paul Bryant when they started the dry cleaning business <laughs> down there in Alabama. Um, so moving on to his career, like his first year in 1935. At what point did we see what kind of revolution the offenses in the NFL were about to uh, embark on? Yeah, and I, and I think that a couple of things there, I guess, Hudson's second game. So, again, this is another one of those 
often misquoted stories, myths, whatever word that you want to use. Uh, in Hudson's second game, not his first game, he caught an 83-yard touchdown pass on the very first play from scrimmage from, from Arnie Herber against the Bears. And that was the Hudson introduction, really, to, to, to the NFL. Why was it? What, what game was he in before? So the, so the Packers opener that year was against the Chicago Cardinals. Oh, okay. And, um, and the play-by-play for the Cardinals game actually shows where Hudson came into the game against the Cardinals, where a couple of passes were thrown his way, but he didn't catch, you know, they were off target. Um, And so this is another one of those often repeated, I don't think this one is so much a myth as it's just a, it was been printed once that it was his first game. And then it's, you can see that it's been repeated over, over the years. Um, But yeah, it's actually his, his, his second game. Um, Caught that 83 yarder on the very first play from scrimmage from Arnie Herber and welcome, welcome to the welcome to the NFL. Amazing, um, amazing. Well, it's funny how they can change the storyline back then. <laughs> you know, right now, right now, you never get away with that with Google. But uh, back well, then, well, you just yeah, and to, I think uh... that. So, so I heard, I heard a story that that, that a Green Bay reporter um, interviewed Hudson um, a number of years later sometime towards the end of his career. And Hudson talked about that story and it was simply was a misunderstanding. And so it was reported in the story that it was his first game. Mm. And then from there on, on onwards, you can pick up probably 50 or 60% of Packer textbooks and it repeats that story. Yeah. Um, but if you look in, if you look into, into it in depth and, you know, and it is reported in a number of places now that was his second Second game, yeah, 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 but yeah, 1935. He, you know, he, he broke out. Um, he um led the league in touchdown receptions that year. Um, had 400 and I think nearly 500 yards, 400 and something yards receiving. Second, second team all pro, and that was really you know the introduction of of Hudson into the into the NFL. And what's always been interesting to me and kind of disappointing to me is that if you look at general football history, people tend to think of the start of the passing game as when Sammy Barr came out of TCU and went to the Redskins. And you can even pick up, you know, official NFL videos and stuff. And they talk about, you know, the start of the passing game. and It's always slinging Sam. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a few years after Hudson came out of college it's a few years after Arnie Herber was was passing for a lot of yards comparatively in those days in the early in the early thirties, mm-hmm. and I think that the story really is pushed towards it being slinging Sam and whatever because he played in the nation's capital. Yeah, yeah. and and so so it got a lot more. Um, newspaper coverage, I think. Yeah, what but, was a lot of passing yards back then? In a season, well, well, I think I think if you if you look at the end of Hutz towards the end of Hudson's career, so 1942 is the year, the big the big year, big MVP, um, and Cecil Isbell became the first 2,000 yard passer in that season. So if you think 2,000 yards in 1942, you're in the 
less than 2,000 yards in the in in the in the 1930s. You're in the thousands. Yeah. 1,000 and, and something. Yeah. Um, and at some point early in the 30s, and I can't remember the exact year, Arnie Herber became the pack the the league's first first 1,000 yard passer. So it was 1,000 and then became 2,000 in, 19, in 1942. Well, you can follow the evolution train right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is perspective. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, and and even going back to, to the early 20s, you know, they weren't obviously not slinging the ball around like they do today, but, yeah. but the Packers were ahead of most of the rest of the league in terms of pass, number of passes attempted, passing yardage, you know, Curly loved to throw, loved to throw the ball. Curly himself was through the ball in the yeah. early, in the early twenties, and you know the Packers had great passes in the late twenties. Red Dunn, and then Arnie Herber, and then after Herber, Cecil Isbell. Mm-hmm. It was a you know a, a train of a pass a passing offense in comparative terms to to what everybody else had. So when they talk about Don Hudson being the receiver that revolutionized route running gave the precision to it gave the yeah. gave the jukes to the defenders and then you know what were other receivers doing that an actual route was revolutionary i mean what were we doing was it just panic throws get out in an area how were how we it, doing this yeah it was it, it wasn't pa- it wasn't panic throws but it but, but, but it was the precision of it was the precision of the of the routes so you know we look at a passing tree today mm-hmm. um and very much you know i look at three receivers in nfl history i look at hudson i look at ray berry in the in the 50s and I look at jerry rice and it was the precision of the routes naming naming the routes as well um and the, t- the timing so it was um absolutely as you said revolutionary um it was very much about about the timing and about the fakes and about the naming of 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 the routes and you know there were very limited number of routes that a receiver would run back before before hudson's time Mm -hmm. Um, and, and and pretty much all of the routes that we see today hudson to a degree invented. Gosh. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't realize, of course, in, in his early days in particular, um, he, very, he lined up tight. So very close to what the, the common, what we would have as a tight end position today. So his left end position was lined up, particularly in his early days in the kind of first half of his packet career, he would line up tight on the left-hand side of the side of the line. And it was only, later in his career that that Lambeau allowed him to split split out wider so so in essence if you like invented not only the wide receiver passing tree but invented the tight end passing tree as well <laughs> so when when uh, when you say that he uh, allowed him to uh, to line up wider so are then are we talking is wide back then like slot is now yeah, or was he, was he was he going yeah. to the sideline yeah no he wasn't going to the sideline it was more of a slot position um, wow! Like, like 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 we have today. But we're still talking about a six foot, one hundred and eighty pound guy. Right? Yeah, and 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 the thing the thing guy. to remember, of course, he was playing both ways. So so he was playing offensive end on on offense, yeah. and then for the first half of his career, was playing defensive end 
on on defense. But it wasn't until <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't until the Packers the Packers picked up Larry Craig in nineteen thirty uh, yeah thirty nine yeah. that um, that Hudson then moved to safety or defensive halfback in in nineteen forty, which was a move really I think from Lambeau to kind of preserve Hudson and keep his keep his career going. Well, he he led the league in interceptions, I think, one year. He did. Uh, he did um, towards the end of his career. Nineteen forty. Yeah, nineteen forty-six interceptions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and over those—that's his first year playing defensive back, though, right? That's yeah, his first that, year playing safety, and he led the league. <laughs> that's right, and of course, you know, he had, um, and we'll get back to his receiving stuff. But of course, as a as a defensive back, he had he had, he had 30, thirty career interceptions in those six seasons that he played and remembering they're playing the 10 or 11 game schedules yeah so and not throwing games. the ball like they are volume wise they are these this game no but um, who who better to cover a receiver <laughs> to, to know to know what's going to happen than don hudson that's yeah that's a 30. 30. 30. So, so, so we had 30 over those over those six years and of course 1940 was the first year that interceptions became an official stat okay so um one of my colleagues at the at the um pfra has done some research looking through um some of the previous years looking at the the green bay press gazette and their and their um reports of the games and they found at least four more interceptions from the four years previous to that um so we so we know that he had at least 34 interceptions in his career and probably a number more than that that were just not reported. So, if you, it's probably closer to forty career in, interceptions, which, which in itself, you know, you look at guys going into the Hall of Fame as defensive backs these days. Forty interceptions is a lot of interceptions in a career. Sure yeah, no kidding. Well, so some a, a, a bunch of those interceptions came from the defensive end position then. Yes, yeah, so we had some playing <laughs> playing at defensive end. Um, you know, there's even, um, I can't remember whether it was his rookie season that we were talking about, either 35 or 36, he blocked a punt and returned it for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, he kind of did it all. And a bit like Horning, if you like, towards the end of Hudson's career, of course, kicked a lot of extra points and field goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to touch on, you have to touch on the special teams contributions that he also made <laughs> yeah. that are amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, and. You know, and he'd he'd never he'd never kicked before he came to Green Bay. So so Alabama or or in his little bit of football at, um, in Arkansas, he'd never been a kicker. Uh, thirty six for thirty six in one season, and then you just just think about that a guy who hadn't kicked before, yeah, uh, a, a perfect season at thirty six, and that's a that's a legitimate, especially in a ten or eleven game season, that's ridiculous. But no bad snaps, no bad yeah. holds, uh, that. Absolutely. And in in that era, playing with the balls that they played with on the fields that they played with, you know, 40 years or 35 years before AstroTurf, you know, (laughs) so they're playing on whatever, whatever the fields were, nothing like today's, you know, today's playing fields. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, those contributions just as a kicker are, are, are incredible. Gosh, did he have to change shoes to kick those balls? You know, the flat-toed <laughs> shoe, or what? 
Well, I mean, his career is amazing because when you actually roll it back to 1935, playing in the Rose Bowl, having that game, going to the Packers, having the having the start you had, but just in an 11-year career with the Packers, reception touchdowns, all right, he led for nine seasons. Total receptions, eight seasons. Reception yards, seven seasons. And scoring, five seasons. Throughout the NFL. Yep. That's, that's an 11-year career, and that's how dominant he was there. That, that really puts some perspective on my thought. Yeah, I, yeah, and, and the thing I always think of with, with Don Hudson, we'll get into the detail of some of those numbers, is, is that, you know, I, and I believe this to be true, is that when you look at receivers in NFL history, you look and you compare many players to Don Hudson, but you never compare Don Hudson to anybody else. And the numbers that you just well just described, I mean, I mean, we could fill our, you know, our whole offices of things writing on the wall of Don Hudson's numbers because they're absolutely incredible. Every statistic you look at for that period of time and many of those records still standing today. Um, they're just incredible. I mean, we look at the, you know, the 99 receiving touchdowns, you know, that stood from 1945 until 1989, I want to say, yep. with 88, whichever year it was that Steve Largent yep. broke it. Um, I remember watching know, but, that game and not knowing what he had done. I remember yeah. the significance, and everybody was playing up Steve Largent in that game. I remember watching that game. Did not know that's the kind of knucklehead you're talking to. Right yeah, now. and and for a record like that to last all of, all of those years is 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 just incredible. And, Amazing. You know, when, when Hudson retired, you know, he had 488 receptions, which is still fifth on the Packers' all-time list. Uh, as I say, it's what 75 years since he retired. <laughs> but to put that into some perspective, the 488 that he had, the guy that was in second place on the all-time list had 190. So, you know, less than half of what Hudson's number was. So, so if you were to apply that to any of today's statistics, you know, if you look at, I don't know, the all-time leaders in touchdown passes, because that seems to be kind of a common one we talk about now, and you've got Drew Brees and Tom Brady up at the top at 500 and a, and a lot. Well, actually, if the second guy had 500, the top guy would have a 1,000, more than a 1,000 if you were using the same difference that Hudson had in his reception totals. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. His team records, too. We still come across this. Just last week, Devontae Adams, and you think about 30 years of Favre and Rodgers and Bart Starr and all of the great Packer quarterbacks, uh, 30 years of those two gunslingers, and Devontae Adams just tied Don Hudson for consecutive games with a touchdown catch. Yeah, I mean, that, that's incredible. Yeah, it, 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 it really is. And Hudson did that mark, the seven mark, twice. Um, but, you know, the, 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 14 receptions in a game, still the, Packers, still the Packers record. And Adams has got 13 a number of times now. <laughs> yeah, four, four, 14 is still the, still the you know, the, the Packers record. You know, leading the Packers in receptions. He led the Packers in receptions for all 11 of his pro years. Still, the Packers' record: eleven consecutive years leading the team in receptions. So, so he uh, had Bear Bryant on the other side at Alabama. Was there another side, and if so, who was that in Green Bay? 
so 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 there were there were there were a number of there were a number of guys, but nobody just just nobody that came close to those to that level of level of numbers. Like, I'm just curious, like percentage wise, what 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 percentage was Don Hudson taking up of receptions for the Packers? I mean, was he in the '80s? Like it, it kind of if it was going to be a throw, it was going to him kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, to be to be perfectly honest, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Um, it's one 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 to look at, but it's you know, it's 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 got to it's got to be a high it's got to be a high percentage. Again, if I just use 1942 as a, as as an example, because that's the one that immediately comes to my mind. Um, Cecil Isbell threw for just over 2,000 yards. Hudson had 1,200 and something yards receiving. So that's 60, that's 60 percent of, of, you know, receiving yards that year. That, and that's that, prob that probably holds true throughout his career. That's amazing because you'd think that if it's that much of a tell just having him on the field, the defenses uh, would have been able to sort of scheme that away from him, but not Don think, Hudson. And I think that's the incredible thing about it, isn't it? It's one thing to break into the league and have a couple of great years, but after after a couple of years, you think the teams are going to be onto that. Mm -hmm. And to a degree they were. I mean, there was instances where he was double teamed and triple teamed, still came down with the ball. There's an instance when they played the Rams, the old Cleveland Rams, as they were then, when he was triple teamed into the into the end zone, and Hudson wrapped himself around the goalpost <laughs> to shake off the triple coverage because the goalposts were oh, up front, yeah, at the end line then, <laughs> and 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 he wheeled it one handed around the goalpost to shake off the triple coverage and caught the touchdown pass. <laughs> that plays on film somewhere on you on on YouTube. Um, but yeah, abs absolutely. You know, he was double teamed and and and, and triple teamed, and um, you know, I think George Hallis it was that said, you know, I give him, I give up two touchdowns a game to Hudson. If I only give up two, I'm happy. One of the biggest things I saw from reading was him being, you know, really the first hands catcher of the ball. We've talked about it a number of times on our current receivers. Yeah. Whether it's MVS or uh, Devontae talking about how they're catching the ball, if it's with the body or the hands, and he caught everything. So that's the other, not just the routes and the stats, but you really have to catch everything that's thrown to you to have those numbers. And that's something uh, I don't want to uh, let slide under the rug. No, absolutely it was. And again, I don't know how much truth there is to this story, but apparently his great hands came from catching rattlesnakes as a kid. <laughs> I, don't know how true, I don't know how true that is, but <laughs> um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we talked about his routes, hands. Absolutely, one of the one of the first, if not the first, great hands catcher of a football. Mm -hmm. And I think you mentioned it as well, Eric. Um, certainly, the first to employ fakes, the head fake, and and that kind of thing. Um, just. Absolutely, the you know revolutionise. Re, can't even say the word. Revolutionise the passing game and the pass, you know, the pass receiving positions. Yeah. Um, and like you say, to be able to do it when he was clearly the bullseye of the defences that he faced um, for most of his career is is absolutely incredible. And mm -hmm. and you know, there's no there's no real drop off in in his career. So although you know he had a great 1942 season, when you get to to 43, 44, 45, 
slight drop off in numbers, but in a couple of those years they've played ten games rather than eleven. So so there's no there's nowhere that you know really in his career you could say well he had a down year this year or a down never did you know very very consistently high performance and that's why so many of those records still exist you know the five years leading the league in scoring still still an NFL record today five consecutive years leading the league in scoring still an NFL record today five consecutive years leading the NFL in receiving still an NFL record today um the eight seasons leading the league in scoring touchdowns, still an NFL record today. Um, so many of those things, you know, he held all of those records when he left the left the NFL in 45, and so many of those things still still stand today. Yeah. Um, to the point where at some point in the 60s, Pete Rozelle started going through the record book and throwing some numbers out. So what started off as owning about 31 receiving record by the records, by the time Pete Rozelle had finished with the record book, some of those things were no longer no longer counted as records. So, for example, the 29 points he scored in a quarter against Detroit in a game in, in 94, 29 points, um, four touchdowns, five extra points in a quarter. Yeah, it's a record that will never be broken, but it's no longer in the official NFL record book. Why would they take that out? Well, I think it was I think it was to find room for other records. I think it's a bit like the Olympics, you know, where they throw sports out and they start bringing in break dancing. Or I whatever. was just going to say that. Now, Eric, this is kind of a, a soft spot because Eric missed out uh, at the national uh, national qualifiers uh, in rhythmic gymnastics. And uh, he got one of his banners, got stuck on the mat, and it was a real big thing. And they, it's a uh, boy. That was the day my grandparents disowned me. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> bringing that up. Uh, back to this, though. Let's get into uh, what happened the end of his career. Because I don't want to miss any stories, but the, the records that he had – all pro nine times, MVP, yeah. 1941, 1942. Off the top of my head, why is 42 mentioned more than 41? Well, because because a couple, couple, of, couple of reasons. One, because um, because of Pearl Harbor happening in, you know, December 41. Okay. So a number of players, uh, you know, went off to war in, in, in 42. So, that, so there was some depletion of the playing the number of players or in uh, not as bad, I think as, um, as some people like to like to make it out. Um, but also 42, 42 was the year when he really set the single season marks that stood for a long, long time in 17 touchdown receptions, the league's first 1000 yard receiver in 1942. Um, it was the year that Cecil Isbell broke the passing record, first first two thousand yard passer, um, and yet yet two two hundred yard receiving games in nineteen forty two. Um, and the Packers only had eleven two hundred yard receiving games in their history, and Hudson has four of them. Um, and Billy Houghton <laughs> is the only other Packer receiver to have two, and. 
Hudson had two in in 19 in 1942. Um, so that 42 season really was, you know, the pinnacle of his career, if you like, in terms of greatness. Um, but you're right, you know, 19, 1941, 738 yards receiving, led, led the league in receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, was MVP in 41 and again in 42, as you said, the only receiver ever to win the MVP award, even now. So, you know, the likes of Jerry Rice and those guys never won the MVP award and Hudson won it twice. Oh, that's um, so, yeah, but that 42 season, I think it was just, it was short of, you know, the Packers winning the championship, which they didn't do in 40, in 42. That was the great season because I think Hudson and Cecil Isbell had fantastic years. Was there a was there a significant transition between um, Hudson, uh, you know, beginning with Ernie Herbert and then and then Cecil Isabel? Was there was there a, a obviously Isabel threw the ball more, but was he was he a significantly better passer than Herbert? No, I think that I think that um, Isabel was a more accurate passer than Herbert, but I think Herbert was um, a to a degree, the 1930s Lynn Dickey in that he was a superb long passer. So I think so. I think what you got was a little bit of a transition from a longer passing game, with, with which is surprising. You'd think it would go the other way, but but that was just you know, Arnie Herber was an accurate long passer of the ball, um, and Cecil Lisbeth was more of an athlete than 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 Arnie was, and was a a good in short to intermediate passer of the ball. So I think, I think there was that transition. Um, and whilst we're on the subject of Arnie Herber, let's just, just to throw this one out. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but so there was a film that they made um, in the 1930s called Pigskin Champions, which was a Hollywood movie, MGM movie about the Packers. Um, and if you could dig it out on YouTube, I think some of it still exists on YouTube. But anyway, um, they put a sheet of glass up over the goal, on hanging from the goalposts. And they wanted to see whether an NFL quarterback was able to throw the ball from a 50-yard line through this, through this sheet of glass. And nobody believed it could be done. Nobody could believe, you know, nobody could be that accurate from that distance and whatever else. And... So they set the thing up, and before they started filming, um, they wanted to get Arnie Herbert just to just to test and see how close he could get and whatever else. First ball he threw straight through the sheet of glass before they'd even started the filming. <laughs> um, and so they had to go away and find another sheet of glass and, and get the filming up, and, you know, get the film going and whatever else. Second ball filming straight through the sheet of glass second second time no problem at all from 50 yards away and in th those in that day and age with those footballs that they were playing with absolutely absolutely incredible but it's a yeah. basketball yeah. with strings on it <laughs> yeah but certainly certainly some of that stuff exists on on youtube pigskin champions i think from 1937 that that movie was made and the packers are all wearing white and they show quite a number of kind of trick plays and all and all kinds of stuff but gonna have to look for that yeah. <laughs> well his, his stats throughout his life were amazing um 
let's can we talk about him being just in the Arkansas Hall of Fame, the Alabama College Hall of Fame, right? Or College Hall of Fame, and then yeah. the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, he's covered the entire gamut of awards, um, but he's the inaugural member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, does it? That has to be an honor that is as as high as it gets for that. Yeah. So, so yeah, and and in a number of those Hall of Fames, he was in the initial, you know, the charter class. So the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I believe the College Football Hall of Fame as well. He was in the charter class, um, Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. And of course, as you said, he's in the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame, the Wisconsin Athletic Sports Hall of Fame. But I think to be in that charter class, the 1963 class, the NFL or the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I think was, you know, was very special. Mm. Um, you know, with the with the names that we read about the Bronco Nagurskis of this world and those, and those kind of guys. And, um, you know, just on top of that, I think four or five times now, the NFL has named an all time team, you know, um, going all the way back to, uh, I think 52, 69. And I forget the other years, but obviously in 2019, they had the hundred year class and Don Hudson has been in every one of those, every one of those teams and you know the Packers have done the same thing the Packers have had all all time teams 1946 they named one 57 I think 69 again obviously Hudson has been in every single one of those also in the NFL's all-time two-way team that was named in 94 um <laughs> it, it it's it's absolutely incredible and you know, for a guy who's, as we've said, whose career ended, my maths isn't great, 75 years ago, when it, whenever it was, to still be, you know, thought of in those terms, um, when comparatively very little film and stuff exists, um, fortunately there is some, but comparatively with the guys today, to still be thought of in those terms is just absolutely incredible. Um, you know, and a lot of it does go back to the numbers just off out of this world when you compare his numbers with anybody else that played in that period yeah. and the fact that some of those records still exist today is it's just absolute it's just absolutely incredible you know he, he is the guy that made the passing game for the nfl without without question greatest packer ever in, in my view yes um yeah and it's it's always difficult, isn't it, when you go across eras and, and, and stuff like that. But I think that I think he's close to being the greatest NFL player ever. And, and you know, and you have arguments for Jerry Rice and I would accept, you know, I would accept those and Jim Brown, um, you know, but he's up definitely in that upper, upper echelon. You know, when you talk about the Jim Browns and the Jerry Rices, you, the Johnny Unitas's, you talk about Don Hudson as well in that in that level of of you know, class of player. For me, absolutely, um, you know, number one in Packers, his, Packers playing history. Um, and again, so it's very difficult to, to go across eras and, uh, and what have you, but just because of how dominant he was in the league in every year in which he, in which he played and the fact that those records, some of those records still, still stand. Because it's difficult to believe, isn't it, that records that are set today will still be records 
50, 60, 70 years later. It just doesn't seem possible. No, no, they're getting trumped every year right now. The evolution is happening at such an exponential rate. But yeah, it started back there unquestionably throughout this, you know, Packer profile deep dive we took. Um, certainly the greatest Packer. Yeah. But, but when you talk about where does he stand up against everybody else, not just in the NFL, Peter. People who are still the benchmark for their sport, um, who were so dominant that changed the game. You know, recently we talk about Tiger Woods. Well, what about Jack Nicholson? What about Ben Hogan? You know, what about those guys? Like, we don't think about them. You have to think about Don Hudson right now because it's it's exceptional what he's done. And, you know, Wayne Gretzky changed the you know the the forward in hockey you know I spent a lot of time playing hockey in in northern Wisconsin and we always if you did a great play it was a Gretzky uh, you know you know some kind of reference to it. I think I think I think that's right. I think when you look at guys that revolutionised the game, you know you know as somebody that didn't grow up with all of those North American sports, I would be looking at Wayne Gretzky in in, in hockey, um, but in football for me it would be. It would be Don Hudson, and, and even if, even if you made an argument that he wasn't the greatest player who ever played, and again, as I said, I would accept that you know, there's other people, in that, certainly in that discussion, the Jimmy Browns of this world, Jerry Rice's, um, because of what he did in revolutionising a position that we accept today. We're just used to wide receivers running routes and catching pass after pass after pass. He created that, and I think to be the first, to be the person that creates that stuff, it's like. Neil Armstrong walking on the moon, isn't it? Whoever walks on the moon afterwards, Neil Armstrong will always be the first guy. Um, Great analogy. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's that kind it's that kind of thing, and and of course, it also helps that that you know the Packers won championships in those years as well. You know, 36, 39, 44. So it wasn't as though he was he was picking up all of these great numbers on losing teams. He was helping his team yeah. win win championships, but. It's a great analogy with those other with those other sports guys. I mean, I don't. You guys would know better than I. I don't know who the guy would be in basketball. Wilt Chamberlain. I, 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 I don't yeah. know. I, I, it would have to be Bill Will, Russell. Bill Russell. Uh, Bill right? Russell. Eric, 11 I mean, championships. You'd have to have you'd have to have the guy that changed the entire way that offenses were run. You know, Wilt again piggybacked on that. Still scored 100 points, but he didn't have 11 championships. You know what I mean? Like there's. Don Hudson in that Jerry Rice conversation, I was always biased because I'm a newbie. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a 46-year-old guy who grew up with Jerry Rice in the 80s watching Super Bowls in Montana and thinking, how does it get any better? So you, there's enough video out there right now to see how dominant Don Hudson was uh, against those players. And, and in that putting that in relation in your brain, man, it's very important. It's very important for Packer fans today not to forget what the past was built on and, and Thankfully for this little podcast right here, Don Hudson is an eye-opener, and I encourage everybody to go take a listen and, and go take a deep dive yourself. We are yeah, truly I'm, blessed to have the history that we have. Yeah, really a, 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 absolutely. Um, and we, we are lucky, um, you know, the, the going back to the 20s and 30s and 40s, the Green Bay Press Gazette, George Whitney Calhoun in particular, and then, and then Art Daly later, you know, those guys – wrote so much about the Packers history that that stuff still survives, you know, and, and those guys were yeah. so enthusiastic about 
about the Packers and making sure, if you like, they were documenting history as it happened. And all of, the, all of those reports and things that they made that were in much greater detail than nearly every other team had at that time, all of that stuff still survives. So we're, we're lucky. You know, we can look at, at play-by-plays from Don Hudson in 1935 and we can, you know, we can look at an interview that Curly Lambeau gave in 1936 about such and such a player. We're very lucky to have, to have that stuff. You know, I'm very lucky to have the Packers Hall of Fame as well, that, you know, until recent years, no other team had, you know, so when the Packers started that in the, in the early seventies, you know, it was the first one, it was the first one that a team, a team had, and, you know, they've been able to preserve so much of Packers history. It's just, it's just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, with that gentlemen, I have to, uh, you know, uh, say thank you, Peter, for, Doing this deep dive on Don Hudson, I think we covered everything from just about the beginning to the end, and hopefully we pique some of your guys' interest out there to go take a deep dive on Don Hudson and appreciate where we come from and and just the revolutions Green Bay has had throughout the whole NFL and where we are today. So, Eric, do you have any final words before we head out? Uh, Just a a huge thank you to our our friend uh, Peter you know, you can do research and look things up, but when you uh, when you get the uh, extra knowledge uh, that uh, he delivers to us every time, uh, it means a lot. And the subtle little details and the funny sidelights that you don't read um, is it's quite meaningful to me. I certainly appreciate it, um, and that's uh, that's what I got. Yeah, yeah. And Peter, uh, let everybody know where they can follow you and interact with you because uh you are certainly a treasure for all of nfl fans and certainly all packer fans so let us know where we can find you yeah thank thank you both so much um yeah on twitter at profoot history it's the best place to find me awesome and you are a great follow a great interaction Uh, we appreciate all the retweets you've done for us you are just fantastic and with that we thank you all for listening to us out there on itunes spotify soundcloud hey Google Podcast is now carrying the Acme Army. And don't forget us on YouTube. We're going to have this podcast up there. So uh, all you guys that like to look at clips of podcasts will be able to put a name to a face and see just how we discussed the great Don Hudson. So with that, Eric, take us out. Hey, everybody. Have a great week. Let's get uh, get ready for another great uh, Sunday afternoon. And go back, go. That's it. We've done our duties. Job is done. Put on our chaplain. Blue note jazz. Shoo we do I.